Lord. Uh, I remember, you know, when we see sometimes when people are baptized and there's just this overwhelming, uh, you know, a weeping of the love of God pouring out. And it's beautiful, right? I mean, there's so many different expressions we see when people are, are baptized and they come up out of the water. Um, I remember mine distinctly because there were no tears. It was just joy. I couldn't stop smiling. Um, I remember that being a testimony to like my work. I was like, I need the day off. I'm getting baptized. And I was just happy. But like I came out of the water and I just remember having joy. And um, that's love too. That, that's an expression of worship, just the joy that can't be taken. And so I hear that. I see that. I recognize that tonight. And um, I think we should just welcome the Lord here together. So let's stand and let's pray and, uh, and welcome the presence of the Lord as it is here already. Jesus, we thank you here tonight. We thank you, Lord. We have the joy of the Lord as our strength here tonight. Lord, we give you praise beyond just this moment. We give you praise for what you will do. We give you praise, Lord, for what you are going to do. Lord, for what you have ordained in your word, we give you praise for that here today. Father, we lift up your name. We lift up your name here today. I pray, Jesus, let us look beyond our circumstances and lift up our voice. Lift up our hands to you this morning, this evening. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, if there's any reason to give praise, if there's any reason, Lord, to give thanks and to gratitude, I pray, Lord, help us to do that right now. Help us to call on your name, to give you the praise for the victories that you have. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy of all the praise and more that I can give. You are worthy, oh God, of more than I can give, but I give it to you anyways. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for how you've orchestrated it, for how you've drawn us, Lord, of all the ways and places, Lord, and the things that we've had to take to get here. We thank you, Jesus, for that. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we worship you here this evening. We worship you, oh God. Yes, Jesus, I thank you here today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You may be seated this evening. Um, um, I, I wanted just to take a, a few minutes just to uh, pass on a few notes um, for our potluck following Life Church United Yakima. Yes, I love that. So um, I, I'm excited for that. You know, there's that ministry that we looked forward to in service, but there's so much ministry afterwards as well. Get a chance to fellowship and connect with people that we don't always. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, I wanted just to make a couple notes of of things and we will definitely send some notes afterwards on whatsapp but we are going to get again be at kissel park which many of you are familiar with but um you look up instructions for uh, directions for kissel park we have the gazebo at 2 30 so if you are showing up earlier than that we will put you to work um <laughs> we we are going to ask anybody who is interested and in maybe unloading setting up some tables 
um, or who are interested in setting up maybe some of the food layout. If that's something that you feel that you would like to do, please see my wife and I after service. Um, we'll just be up front. So we'll definitely use some hands and uh, get some things set up. I was looking at the weather a lot, and I think we should be good. It's looking looking like it's not going to be too hot. I think it's in the 60s and kind of cloudy, so should be good. Um, doesn't really, I mean, I don't think we would need canopy. If you really would like to, we might have a, a few spaces for that. So, um, you know, it's up to you, right? Um, but I would say the seating is limited. So if you have like a folding chair, camping chairs, you can definitely bring that for seating. Um, I would say also for food purposes, we don't want to make sure that everybody's having like days and weeks and extra food. So maybe just kind of think to yourself if you were having food for yourself and hosting a family, um, maybe that kind of amount to bring. And um, I, I do know we will have some spots for uh, like crock pots. We have an outlet. We will have an extension cord for some. Um, if you do have something you need plugged in, um, we do know that some people from the West side may be interested in bringing some food, but they don't have the luxury of plugging in and cooking and doing all of that. And so I uh, just be mindful of, of that as well. If you're considering on some food to bring. Um, yeah, I think so. If I miss anything, I'll put it in WhatsApp. So amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, brother Joey, sister Stephanie, and all of you. I know many of you are, um, doing different things to help. I don't know if we call it behind the scenes, but it, I guess that's sort of what it is. And so, so many that are doing so many different things and these United services do not just happen as you know. So thank you for that, for the many hands and the work there very much, very much. Um, it's going to be a tremendous weekend. I'm certain of it. Amen. We're going to have a tremendous time. God is going to do miraculous things. And I'm excited about that. Really, really am. I, I just want to say uh, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Um, I know April has been a month of prayer um, and fasting throughout the month. Thank you for that. Um, obviously, we recognize, as has been shared, the anointing of God and giftings that God gives to men. And we've shared how we recognize the Lord giving giftings to Brother Christ and using him that way. Um, but that doesn't forego the need of prayer. And I do not doubt for a moment that your willingness to fast and pray for this weekend for the valleys is critical to the overall impact of what God is going to do. The effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women avails much. And I believe we're going to see much availed as a result. So thank you for giving yourself to prayer uh, always and especially for this weekend. Um, you know, it's said of some of you may have heard of the now deceased revivalist named Charles Finney. Um, if you haven't, you can pull him up on Google and you'll see he was a known revivalist. Um, and he would travel around in many, many places and they would talk about how God would do great things everywhere he went. And, but he had, he had a man that worked with him and that man would go into the city 
I can't remember his name. It was Father something is what he was known as. Father Nash. That's right. Thank you. He would go before Charles Finney into the city that he was going to be in, and he would always go there a month before, 30 days before, and would just give himself to prayer before Finney ever showed up. Most people, you see, I forgot his name. But don't discount you giving yourself to prayer and what God is going to do this weekend, okay? And so I thank you for your commitment to prayer daily. Um, uh, also, it's wonderful to know and to report that Bishop and Elder and Sister Flowers are back home safely uh, from their European travel in Italy. And as I understand it, uh, Bishop's words, it was a very, I don't think he said very, I don't want to add words to his mouth. It was a productive trip. And so Brother Guzman's words, um, they made a great team. And so I'm excited to hear about all that God has done. And I know that you all throughout this month were covering that trip in prayer as well. Your prayers reach beyond your locale. When we give ourselves to prayer, we can affect the kingdom around the earth. And so I thank you for giving yourself to prayer. Aren't you thankful for a God that hears and answers prayer? Amen. And so we thank God for that. Amen. We are looking forward to this weekend. We'll send a deal out Saturday morning. We will not have prayer here. We will have prayer at the Union Gap building. Uh, we will have united prayer at 6 a.m. in Union Gap. Uh, we just didn't feel like the space here is enough. Uh, so 6 a.m. prayer, Union Gap, Saturday morning. Um, praise God. And then all the other details of the weekend, including that, will be on a flyer that will get sent out tomorrow that sort of maps things out. Uh, the service is scheduled to start at 1130. Uh, prayer will begin at 11. I think it was Brother Kendrick said the apostolic start time is 11. The service start time is 1130. Um, and so we look forward to that. I'd encourage you to be there by 11. Amen. Find a place of prayer. I know many of you will be there earlier based on different things you're helping with. But um, And be aware. Be aware of people that you may see that are not. You're like, man, I don't recognize them from Puyallup. I don't recognize them from Union Gap. Let's be aware. All right. We are seeing this in our valleys that God has called us to. And so stay in prayer and be ready for all he'll do and how he'll use us. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Would you grab your Bible? Amen. Go with me to the book of John. Also, I'll, I'll mention um, Sister Sally has sent out some communication regarding a church yard sale, May the 26th. It's in the WhatsApp, 26th and 27th. If you have gently used, I don't bring stuff you wouldn't put out in your own yard sale. All right, don't put stuff in a bag and bring it like, I hope they don't know that came from me. Don't do that. All right. Um, but think about that. You have questions about that. Talk with Sister Sally about that. Uh, if you're able to help on those days, I know that would be appreciated. 
uh, any funds from that are going to go towards children's ministry because youth camps are coming up. And so, so if you're going, what's these fundraisers about anyway, it's to help pay for youth camps and stuff. So, uh, think about that. If you got some things you're like, man, I've been meaning to put that on offer up and I just been meaning that for two years and I still haven't done it. Or maybe you put it on offer up and it ain't selling or something like that. Uh, maybe a great time to just donate it and, uh, be a blessing to the children. Amen. Thank you, Sister Sally, for your labor in that. The book of John, chapter 5. Um, I know I say this a lot, but I'm really going to try to do this, and I'm going to try to move quickly. Uh, it will be recorded, of course, but you can also take notes. We're going to do Bible study tonight. Is that all right? And um, the Bible says in Acts, chapter 2, we can all, most of us anyway, can quote Acts 2 and 38. Many can quote verse 39. We might get a little fuzzy when we get to 40, 41, and 42. But there's something very important in those verses. And it's this statement about the church there following Acts 2, 38 and 39. And one of the statements about the church is they continued. Everybody say continued. They continued. And then it says how they continued. They continued steadfastly. Everybody say steadfastly. That's really important. Doesn't say they continued periodically. Doesn't say they continued every once in a while. Steadfastly. That means they held to something. We live in a time when it's very critical, like never before, to hold to some things. Jesus said, I believe it was Jesus. It might be a proverb. I got to go back. By the truth. And sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. That speaks of getting something and then holding on to it. Not for sale. Acts 2, we read, they continued steadfastly. What did they continue steadfastly in? The apostles' doctrine. That's what the apostles taught, what the apostles lived, what the apostles believed. We live in a day and an hour in which there are all kinds of doctrines. And there are various doctrines throughout the Scripture. I think we taught a few weeks ago or a couple months ago on doctrines of baptisms. But the apostles' doctrine, we're not going to cover all of it tonight, but we're going to cover some of it. It's important that we continue steadfastly in it. And that we know not only what we believe, but why we Believe it. Not good enough to say, well, this is what I believe. Well, why? Let me show you why. Let me tell you why. Okay, I'm not just picking a scripture and making that scripture fit. I'm going to give you some. Okay, we must continue in this hour when truth is coming under attack like never before. In it, right? The God of this world is coming against truth. And don't think for a moment he won't try to come against truth in the church. It'll happen. There are, I know of men that have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that have given over to the God of this world that are still preaching and teaching some gospel, but have even gone as far as to say baptism is no longer essential, have gone as far to say there is no longer, there's not really a hell. They're watering down the gospel, which means they're speaking false doctrine. We need to hold the truth. 
We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And then we need to speak the truth in love. Amen. So John 5 and 39. Now, here we go. John 5 and 39, Jesus Christ made this statement. He said, search the scriptures. Notice when he said this, it would have been the Old Testament, right? None of the New Testament was written yet. Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them, in the Old Testament scriptures, you think you have eternal life. He was speaking to the religious leaders of the day. He wasn't discounting that you find eternal life in the scriptures, but he was trying to draw their attention to the fact that the scriptures, they are they which testify of me. In other words, you're going to find eternal life in the scriptures, but eternal life is found in me. Not me, but he was saying in him, you understand. That was what he was declaring in those few words. John 14 and 6, very famous passage of scripture. It's there that Jesus Christ said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's John 14 and 6. Say this with me. I am the way. Jesus said I'm the way. Not a way. The way. I am the way. So he is that. That does not change. He's the way to the Father. He is the way. He said in one place in Scripture, John 10, I believe, he said that if any man enters in any other way than through the door of the shepherd, he's a thief and a robber. He comes in any other way. And so Jesus is the way. You and I can't get in some other way. All right? Luke 24 and 44, Jesus, just before he, not resurrected, just before he ascended, we find him at the close of Luke's gospel making this statement, Luke 24 and 44. And he says this, he said to them, these are the words which I spake to you while I was yet with you before he had died and resurrected that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, that's the first five books of the Old Testament, and in the prophets, that's the major and minor prophets, smaller books, bigger books, and in the Psalms concerning me. All things must be fulfilled concerning him. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, I, I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, just bear with me, I'm giving you some foundation about the apostles' doctrine. We're going to tie this all together, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Paul, writing to the church, says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. By which, by which the gospel, by which also you are saved. That's really important. You're saved by the gospel. I'm saved by the gospel. If... Who knew being saved had an if? By which you're saved if you keep in memory. What are we keeping in memory? The gospel. We keep in memory what I preach to you unless you have believed in vain. So it's possible to be a believer and your belief be in vain if we don't keep in memory the gospel. 
For I delivered to you, first of all, now he begins to lay out the gospel in the next two verses. I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus said, search the scriptures. For you think they have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Paul said he died, was buried, and rose again according to the scriptures. And that is the gospel that saves you if you keep in memory. That sounds like an admonition to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Amen? And so I want to take a few minutes tonight and... um, We're not going to read all these verses. If you're like, man, I want to study the Bible, but I don't really know where to study or how to study, you will have places to study after tonight. Okay? I'm going to give you high level, and then if you genuinely have a hunger and you're like, I want to study the Word, you can go back to these places I'm going to reference for you, and you can go begin to read and study. Paul told Timothy that, we should study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen? And so it's important to know what we believe and why we believe it. The apostles' doctrine. It's important to know the gospel because we're saved by the gospel. And the apostles' doctrine preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, he said, If I or even an angel come and preach to you any other gospel than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Then he said, I say this to you again. If I, he repeats himself. See, you think I'm the only one that does that. The apostle Paul did that. If I or an angel come to you and preach any other gospel than that which you have already received, he said, let him be accursed. And so I want us to see how the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the key element, the foundation of the apostles' doctrine. Okay, we're built on Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. That means everything else builds from that point out. All right, he's foundational to the apostles' doctrine. So. All of that was foundation for what I want to talk about for the next few minutes tonight. I want to talk to you about Old Testament types and shadows of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, we're not going to read all the scriptures because you don't want to be here for three or four hours. And that's not an exaggeration. We could take more time than that walking through these. I could do that, but you couldn't do that tonight. But watch, we need to hear these. And then again, I encourage you, go study the Scripture. Go study the Scripture. So we find Old Testament types and shadows of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. Okay? And then we understand that if you keep in memory, it's not enough to believe the gospel. I must apply and obey the gospel. Amen? 
And so this is important because I want to be saved. And we want our world to be saved. And so if we're preaching and teaching to our world, which we should be, we should be teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ from the scriptures and that which the apostles taught. Amen? We're not looking for a new gospel. Amen. So, the gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection. Amen? Of Jesus Christ. We know and believe the word of God and teach the word of God that the application of the gospel the death is repentance. That's dying to oneself. As Christ died, we, we have to be crucified with Christ. That's dying to self. That's what Christ did in the garden at Gethsemane before he ever went to Calvary. Not my will, but your will be done. The death, we die through repentance. The burial, we know that burial is through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Jesus said that's what should be taught beginning at Jerusalem in Luke 24. And so that's why we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Paul said in Romans and in Colossians that we are buried with Christ through baptism. That we also should walk in newness of life. So hear me, baptism is essential. Baptism is still necessary for salvation. I believe that with every fiber of my being. Baptism by immersion underwater in the name of Jesus Christ is necessary for the salvation of the soul. Amen? So that's the burial. We're buried through baptism in Jesus' name. And then we are filled with the Spirit. That is resurrection. Right? We're buried with him in as we are buried with Christ in baptism. So also you should walk in newness of life. What is that newness of life? New life is when someone is born again. That's a new life, right? You see a little baby, you say, that's a new life. I saw little Mateo today for the first time, Mateo Escalera. He's really cute. Got a head full of hair. That was new life. To be born is new life. So we teach and believe the word of God, the gospel of Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Okay? The gospel by which we're saved, 1 Corinthians 15 and 2. So we know when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2 and 38, then Peter said unto them, Repent, death, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, burial, and in the name of right, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel of Jesus Christ was preached by Peter in Acts 2 and 38. And with many other words did he exhort and say, Save yourselves from this untoward generation right? That's the gospel. And that's the application of the gospel. Now we're going to look at, you say, well, you just, some people would say, well, you're just pulling out one verse. No, no, no. This is why we're going to take a minute and look at Old Testament types and shadows of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. 
The Bible was written over 1,500 years by numerous men of God who spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. The fact that they all agree and they all testify of Christ and they all testify of the gospel of Christ and they all testify of the way that is Christ is not coincidental. They couldn't compare notes because of the spans of time that were covered. There is more manuscript declaring the authenticity of Scripture than things written by Caesar, than things written by Homer and Plato and these others. The Scripture is the infallible Word of God. Amen. I believe that in case you can't tell. And so let's look at some of these Old Testament types and shadows of Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter number 3. Again, we're not going to go read the Scriptures tonight, so you may just have to write that down or come back and listen because I'm going to just give you chapters, and then if you want to go study, you can go study. I'm going to give you chapters and give you sort of a high-level overview of what's there that points to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then you can go study. This is why we believe what we believe and why we teach the apostles' doctrine. Amen? It's important to know and lay hold of. Would you pray with me right now before we dive into this here. Jesus, we thank you for your word that never fails. We need your word. I pray let it be written upon the fleshy tables of our heart. I pray let it be held strongly in our spirit. Let us not look to the left or the right, but straight on at truth. Let us love the truth. Let us buy the truth and sell it not. Give us understanding and revelation of your word, of this glorious gospel by which we are saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray that we would teach others with conviction and an assurance of what you have done for us to save us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Now, types and shadows, you know, sometimes you would read a book and you would see a little element in the book. and You're like, ah, that's going to come up later. Or in this day and time, you may, you may uh, watch some movie and you see something there and you're like, why did they, t-? and then they'll bring it up later on. You realize that's coming back up again later. That's foreshadowing. That's called foreshadowing, or those are types and shadows. They're used oftentimes. Well, we see that in Scripture, and that's what we're looking at here in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 3 We find, of course, the fall of Adam and Eve because they ate of the tree. But Adam and Eve tried to cover their sin. Remember the story? They tried to hide their sin. So they hid from the presence of God, and they made for themselves coverings of fig leaves. Remember that? This is in Genesis 3. You can go read it. Again, go study later. But again, types and shadows of the gospel of Christ. Well, man could never cover his own sin. You and I can't cover it. We can't do enough to make up for our sin. That's why we're not saved by works. Okay? So we need God to step in to cover our sin. So we see here at the very beginning this type and shadow of the gospel of Christ where the Lord God himself, the Bible says, he made coats of skins and covered them. 
we understand that they tried to cover themselves through natural means, some plant. But God said that's not going to work. Well, we know later, because we read in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so God made them coats of skin. I don't believe for a minute God went, skin coats, here you go. No, no. I believe God caused an animal to be killed, and the blood was shed, and the coats of skin from those animals covered Adam and Eve where their covering did not work. It's a type and a shadow of the gospel of Christ, the blood shed to cover one's sin. We see it as early as Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 22, we find a very familiar story. We find Abraham and his son Isaac. And the Lord tells Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, to the place that I'll show you and offer him there to me as a sacrifice. Abraham takes him three days' journey. They come to Mount Moriah. He tells his servants, stay here while I and the lad go yonder and worship. And he takes some fire and some wood and his son Isaac. You know the story in Genesis 22. He heads up the mountain with Isaac. And Isaac turns to him and makes this powerful statement. He says, Father, the wood and the fire, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham prophetically declares in response to Isaac, my son, God, listen, will provide himself a lamb. He did not say God will provide for himself a lamb. He said God will provide himself a lamb. And that's exactly what happened. God provided himself. We see just a few verses later in Genesis 22. You know the story. Abraham lays Isaac and binds him on the altar. He draws a knife to take his son's life. An angel of the Lord calls out to him, Abraham, Abraham, slay not thy son now that I know. And so we see he looks and there's a ram caught in the thicket. A ram is not a lamb. He sees a ram caught in the thicket. He takes the lamb and we are the ram, and we see again this example of a type and a shadow where the lamb is slain, blood is shed, he's laid on the altar, he becomes the substitutionary sacrifice for Isaac. By the sacrifice of the ram, the life of a boy is spared. The ram was slain that the boy's life would be saved. And we see this prophetic declaration as well as this type and shadow of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that he comes to save as the substitutionary sacrifice for you and I, for our sin. I should be on an altar of sacrifice. I deserve to die. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through what? Who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we see these types and shadows of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see them get more specific. You go to Genesis chapter 30 through Genesis chapter 50. Now you see why we're not reading everything tonight. That's 20 chapters. But it's so important that it took 20 chapters. All of the scripture, remember what Jesus said, search the scriptures. 
In them you think you have eternal life, and they testify of me. Each one of these elements is a place you can go and do a Bible study and begin to dig into this chapter to see the gospel of Jesus Christ foreshadowed. It's why we believe in the death, burial, and the resurrection. It's why we believe in repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost because there's so much scriptural evidence pointing to Jesus Christ and the gospel thereof. Genesis 30 through 50, we find a story of a man named Joseph. Anybody ever heard of him? Yeah. Joseph had a dream, didn't he? He had a dream that all of his brothers bowed, well, all the sheaves of wheat bowed down to him. And then he had a second dream that all the stars and the sun and the moon bowed down to him. Of course, we know it was prophetic of his brothers and his parents bowing to him. They didn't like that. They didn't like the things Joseph said because they did not like what he said. They despised him and they rejected him. Yes, they despised him and rejected him, and then they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. You read that before? See, this is why you want to go study this. Some of you are going, really? That's in there? It's in there. And they sold him. Now, they thought it was his end, and they were done with him. But their despising of him and their rejecting of him and their selling of him became salvation to them because they would have died in famine had it not been for their despising, rejecting, and selling of Joseph. So Joseph was sold into Egypt, a type and a shadow of sin. He was sold in, he who had not committed the wrong was sold into sin to save those that had done him wrong. Doesn't take a whole lot of understanding and revelation to figure this out, does it? These are Old Testament types and shadows of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus Christ was despised and rejected of men. He was despised by his own countrymen. He couldn't do many wonderful miracles in his own city because he, right, he was despised and rejected. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver. He was sold, he who knew no sin became sin for us, 1 Corinthians 15, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Joseph was a type and a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a real man in the history of Israel. It was a real family, a real story that was orchestrated of God that we would know the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just one thing pulled out of Scripture, but all the Scripture. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, Jesus said, but they testify of me. I'm telling you, the covering of skin on Adam and Eve testifies of me. The sacrifice on Mount Moriah testifies of me. Joseph being sold by his brethren and becoming salvation to them from famine testifies of me. The Old Testament is filled with types and shadows of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, Joseph didn't actually die, but he was as good as dead to his fathers and his brothers. There was blood put on his garment. Yes, 
You see the examples here. I don't even have to explain it to you because it's so clear. You read Genesis 30 through 50, you can study out those details and begin to match up those things and look and see how clear and evident it is. Jesus Christ is the way. He's the way. He's the way. He's the way. This is the apostles' doctrine. This is why we hold to this truth. This is why we teach the death, burial, and resurrection. This is why we teach repentance, baptism in his name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the way. Amen? Exodus chapter 12 through chapter 14. Look at this. You've already gotten four different Bible studies you could go do. Search the scriptures. Those were the words of Jesus. Search the scriptures. Exodus 12 through 14, we find the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt. You know that story? You see why we're covering the high level. You know the story, but you and I should go dig so that we know it and we can tell somebody else. Point them to these scriptures with conviction. I'm not just, why do I believe this gospel so much? Why do I have such conviction about this gospel? Why am I not looking for another way? Because these scriptures have become real to me, this historical account. I see too much evidence in the word of God that says the death, the burial, and the resurrection must be applied in my life for salvation. All of scripture points to him. So Exodus 12 through 14, we find the children of Israel in bondage to sin. Egypt, Egypt is a type and shadow of sin. They are in bondage to Egypt. No way out, it seems, generations. But we know that the Lord sent Moses a deliverer. As a deliverer, Moses comes, and in Exodus chapter 12, we see the story of what we call the Passover. And there it is that Moses comes after the first nine plagues, and he tells the children of Israel, every house take a lamb, a spotless lamb, a lamb without blemish. And what you're going to do, you're going to slay the lamb. Is that the word of the Lord? And again, we see the shedding of blood. So we see this animal killed by every Israelite home. The blood put in a bowl according to the instruction of Scripture, the instruction of the Lord through Moses. This spotless lamb is killed, and the Lord instructs Moses, you tell him, you take blood from that spotless lamb, and you put it over your door and on the side post, and then tonight you cook that lamb and you eat that lamb. It's in there. And I'm going to bring you out by great deliverance because what's going to happen is death. The angel of death is going to pass through the land and you will die if the blood is not applied. Is that the word of the Lord? When he comes, he said, when I see the blood on the doorpost, I will pass over you. Hence the name Passover. And so then we see again in these three chapters here as you read and study it, the, the death angel comes, Egypt sends them out. That which held them captive is no longer has, has dominion over them. Not only does the, do the Egyptians who had them captive and in fear just days before, now the Egyptians are going, leave us. That which held them can hold them no longer. 
Why? Because of the blood. And they leave, led by Moses. Is it coincidence? Not at all. They come to the Red Sea. The Red Sea. I don't think it's coincidence. It's called the Red Sea, to be honest. They come to the Red Sea. And the Lord, through Moses, parts the water. They go through on dry ground. Egypt pursues after them, comes, and you know the story. Egypt's in the middle of the Red Sea. Moses stretches his rod back out, and the water collapses on them. Yes? And they come through. What led them while they were there going to the Red Sea and in the wilderness? A cloud, pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Then we see them taken into the promised land by Joshua. These are types and shadows of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know you understand this, but we need to lay hold on this and understand we, why do we believe what we believe? Why do we hold steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine? Why? Because Egypt's a type and shadow of sin. That lamb slain, of course, is a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ that was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He died to save mankind. His blood, the blood of a spotless lamb shed for the sins of many. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I know I've quoted it already, but we need to hear that and see how that fits here. And so the lamb was slain as a type and shadow of Christ the lamb that would be slain to deliver from the bondage of sin. They went through and sin tried to pursue them, but sin was removed. Egypt was destroyed that day at the Red Sea as a type and a shadow of passing through the waters of baptism for the remission of sin, the, the removal of that which once held you captive, no longer having. This is why baptism in Jesus' name. You see the gospel of Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament. This is why Jesus said, search the scriptures. They testify of me. There's eternal life found in this book. This being led by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, we know that is a type and a shadow to us of being led by the Spirit of God, not walking our own devices any longer, but trusting the leading and the guiding of the Spirit. We see the bread of manna. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We see Christ throughout this. These are Old Testament types and shadows. This is why we believe the gospel the way we do. It's not just picking a scripture, as some do. Evidence. Evidence. The death, the burial, the resurrection is throughout the Old Testament. I realize there's many prophetic scriptures about Christ. I'm not talking about those tonight, or we we'll really would be here all night. I'm simply talking about the types and shadows of the gospel of Christ that are found in the Old Testament. You should study these. You should know this for yourself. You should ask God, God, make it real in my spirit. I don't want it to just be in my head. I want it in my spirit. Exodus 25 through 40, 
That's 15 chapters if you're doing the math. 16, depending on how you count them. Exodus 25 through 40, we find the Lord giving to Moses the tabernacle plan. I know you've been taught this almost, so I'm not going to walk through it. That's a Bible study in itself. All of these are Bible studies in themselves. Trying to give us some things to where we'll take some and go ourselves because we need to be able to convey to others, why do you believe Acts 2.38 is the way of salvation? Because somebody will tell you, oh, you're just taking one scripture. No, 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 no. I'm not basing my belief in salvation on one scripture. I have the whole Old Testament filled with the gospel. Exodus 25 through 40, we find the plan of the tabernacle. And there the tabernacle is presented to Moses. And there's a reason why the Lord says, and go study this. There's a reason why the Lord says to Moses, you make it exactly the way I tell you. More than once, he tells Moses that. You build it exactly the way I tell you. Why was the Lord so emphatic about him building it exactly the way he told him? I'll tell you why. Because this is the first time that we find God using man to lay out the gospel of Christ. In the Passover through the Red Sea to the Promised Land, God orchestrated all that. Man just had to walk in obedience. Here, God is for the first time involving men in the building, the preparing, and the laying out of a foreshadowing of the gospel of Christ. See the difference? And so he commands him multiple times. You make sure you build it exactly the way I show you. The way it was in the mount, you do it exactly like that. So it's critical. It's critical. We, we skipped right over Genesis chapter 6. You can go study Genesis 6 and 7 sometime. That's Noah, for those of you that didn't know that. I think he probably did. Peter tells us that the same way Noah built an ark and his family was saved, Peter said the like figure whereunto even baptism doth now save us. Can't tell me baptism doesn't matter. The gospel is everywhere in the Old Testament. Okay? So we find in Exodus 25 and 40 this tabernacle and this plan, and we see it laid out. The first place you come is the altar. The altar is the altar of sacrifice. Blood is shed at the altar. A family could not have their sins pushed forward a year without bringing an animal and having their blood shed and putting them on the altar. This was the design of God. So they would. They would bring their sacrifice to the altar. And then the priest would come to the brazen laver, would see his reflection there in the water, would wash his hands and his face from the blood. He would wash it there in the water, and the water would become red because of the blood that was washed off in it. So he no longer saw his reflection any longer. He only saw the bloody water. He would then go into the holy place, and in the holy place, he would see the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the lampstand. And we see the light of the world. We see the bread of life. We see worship unto God represented there. 
And then we enter into the holiest of holies where the Ark of the Covenant sat, which represents the presence of God. We know that Jesus Christ came back through the tabernacle to come to us. He came, His glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He passed through the veil. Hebrews tells us the veil is His flesh. God robed Himself in flesh, and we beheld His glory. He became, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Then he was baptized of John in the Jordan River. He said, suffer it to fulfill all righteousness. That's him coming through the labor. And then he comes to the altar of sacrifice at Calvary. That's him coming to us. But then he takes us back through, which is the gospel. We have to go to repentance. we got to die at the altar of sacrifice. We've got to go to the labor. we got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. We have to know him as the bread of life. We have to worship him. We have to know him as the light of our life. He lighteth every man that entereth into the world. But then we have to come so into his presence through the holiest of holies where the very glory of God comes in tabernacles and he fills us with his spirit. We'll begin to speak with other tongues as his spirit gives the utterance. And so we see the Old Testament type and shadow of the gospel of Jesus Christ in Exodus 25 through 40 in the tabernacle. Hear me. I don't preach Acts 2.38 just because I think it sounds really good and convincing. God forbid that we try to convince people with the intelligence or the knowledge of men. It will never work. We need the revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. We need revelation and understanding in the knowledge of God. We must pray for it, but we must also study and search the Scriptures so we are able to share why we believe what we believe. We must continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And if I don't have these foundational elements of the Old Testament, it's a lot easier to be swayed in the New Testament because somebody will take a scripture and says, well, it says believe and you're saved. I don't get to just take one scripture. I take the whole of scripture. And so we see in the tabernacle the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just a couple of more. Should give you plenty of study material for the next little while if you're still looking. Joshua chapter 2 through 6, in those five chapters, we of course see the children of Israel, they've come into the promised land. They fight, they're going to fight the battle at Jericho. We see that the battle and we see the ending results in chapters 2 through 6. Many of you know the story. Some spies of Israel come into the land. They stay in the name in a house of a harlot named Rahab. Rahab hides the spies. She says, but spare my family. Spare my family because I hid you. She lets them down out of a window by a scarlet rope. You think that's coincidence? There ain't a thing in the word of God that's coincidence. She lets them out of her window by the scarlet rope. And the Israelite spies say, if you will hang this red scarlet rope out your window when we come, whoever's in your house will be spared. And they were. And Rahab was spared. And Rahab ended up marrying a man from the tribe of Judah named Salmon. 
or salmon, depending on how you want to say it. He wasn't the fish, but it's spelt like the fish. If you want to remember, Rahab married this man from the tribe. She was not a Jew. She was not an Israelite. Ooh, I don't know if you're getting this yet. But she married <laughs> this man from the tribe of Judah. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Here, watch. I'm telling you, it's Old Testament types and shadows of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was one who was not an Israelite. She was not saved by works. She was saved by faith. You know what she did? Here's her faith. I don't know how in the world when this army of millions comes that me taking this red rope and just hanging it out my window is going to do anything. But those men of God said that if I would put that red scarlet rope out my window and get people in my house, we'd be spared. I'm not one of them, but could it be that if in faith I'll put that out? She hung that red scarlet rope out her window. God didn't just save her and her house. He said, because you acted in faith, I'm going to make you part of the people of God. And we see, I believe, for the first time, you see why I'm getting excited about this. Someone who is not an Israelite grafted in to the family of God. Oh, he's saying, I don't understand. Let me help you understand. Salmon and Rahab had a child. That child's name was Obed. Obed and his wife had a child. That child's name was Jesse. Jesse and his wife had a child, and that child's name was David. David became the king of Israel. And from, uh, from Salmon and Rahab, the bloodline of Jesus Christ flowed. What do we see in Joshua 2 through 6? We see a type and a shadow of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How someone by faith can be saved. See, here's what people today would say. Hold on. That's works. Because she had to put a rope out her window. Give me a break. That's not works. That's faith. Faith in the word of God. Faith without works is dead. But I'm not doing my own works of my flesh. My works are God told me and so I'm acting in faith. When you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that's not a work. That's an act of faith that when I go down in the water in Jesus' name, His sin, His blood removes the sin from my life. So we see that with Rahab, the scarlet cord represents the blood. It represents not only the blood, it represents the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Amen? One more, then I'm done. I really could go all night. But you got Bible study material now. 
Don't just take these few things. Go dig and read it for yourself. Read through these chapters. Study it out. Write it down. Make notes in your Bible. Let God put it in your spirit. That way if somebody says, why do you believe Acts 2.38 is the way of salvation? Say, well, let me show you. I got a whole book of evidence. I didn't come to this conclusion by one scripture. I believe that I'm saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the scripture testifies of him. He is the way. Amen. Finally, the book of Ruth. What a beautiful book. Oh, what a beautiful book. Sort of gets lost in there almost. You got the law of Moses, Genesis to Leviticus, Deuteronomy. You got Joshua, powerful book of conquest in the promised land. You got the judges and all those different stories that are wonderful. Then if you're not careful, you can just jump right into prophet Samuel and his life and all the kings. But stuck right in there is this little book called Ruth of just four chapters. Four short chapters, but they're types and shadows that point to Jesus Christ. I know you know the story. You're going to go study it deeper, I know, but humor me these last few minutes. Ruth is from Moab. She's a stranger, but she's brought with her mother-in-law. She makes the famous statement oft quoted from Scripture. Your God will be my God. Where you live, I'll live. I know the King James says, where you lodge, I'll lodge. And she goes on to say, where you die, I will die. She was saying, I'm committed. Because you know Naomi was going to die before she did. She was saying, I'm not going until you're done. I'm with you all the way. But watch. We, of course, know that Naomi says, oh, don't go with me. I don't have any more sons. There's no way you can be redeemed any longer. If I had other sons, I'd give them to you. And even if I, if I could still have sons, could you wait until I had a son? But I'm past the age of being able to have a son. So even if you were to wait, because... Because Naomi, her mother-in-law, understood the, prince, the, the scriptural guidelines of a redeemer. Her next of kin would redeem, but she had no son. So she said, and so Ruth goes back with Naomi in faith. In faith. And she's gleaning in the field, and a man who owns the field named Boaz the next of kin, he redeems her to himself. You probably heard me mention that name a while ago, or I might have skipped over his name when I was talking about David. I apologize. Boaz takes Ruth to be his wife, thereby redeeming her. It's known as the kinsman redeemer. It is a type and a shadow 
Boaz was a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. He who is our kinsman, redeemer. The fellow kinsman that would die for his brethren. Please stand with me tonight. Oh, by the way, you know this already because I referenced it. Bloodline of Jesus flowed through Boaz and Ruth. David came out of there. I don't know that I said his name earlier. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Jesus is the way. The apostles' doctrine is the doctrine of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. The apostles' doctrine is a doctrine of repentance for our sins. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then the receiving of the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as His Spirit gives you the utterance. That is the way. Jesus is the way of salvation. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. John 14, you can read that. Jesus said, the Father will send the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. He'll send in my name. You can read it later in Acts chapter 4. They said they should receive Jesus. Well, they knew they were saying they should receive the Holy Ghost. This is why I believe this gospel. I believe this gospel because the Old Testament all points to it. Man, would you talk to the Lord with me right now before we go? Father, we want your word to be sealed in our spirit and in our heart. Father, I don't want to believe another gospel than that which was preached by Peter and the apostle Paul. I stand on your word. I thank you for the revelation of your word. I thank you for the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. I thank you for the privilege of being buried in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the infilling of the Holy Ghost, your spirit dwelling within. I thank you that you are the way of salvation. I thank you for this revelation revealed from your word again and again and again and again. I thank you for the promises of your word and the clarity of your word that makes it so sure and certain, God. I thank you today. I pray let us receive it into our spirit. Let us continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Let us share it in love. Let us declare it in truth. Let us show you the way to others. In the name of Jesus, I pray that many would repent, that many would come to repentance. You're not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. 
And I pray that many would see this truth and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and that they would be filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost according to your word that quickening spirit that will resurrect us when the trumpet sounds. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for this quickening spirit, you living inside of us. In the name of Jesus. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said, if that spirit which dwelt in Christ dwells in you, it shall also quicken your mortal bodies. What is that spirit that dwelt in Christ? It is the very spirit of God. That's why we teach and preach the receiving of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because when the trumpet sounds, when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. So what is the quickening spirit that will cause us to rise? It's the Holy Ghost in you. The Spirit of God in you. He is that spirit that will quicken your mortal bodies. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And we shall ever be with the Lord. What a day that'll be. Amen. I know many of you, probably all of you know this. But I want to make sure I'm as clear as clear can be. I believe the word of God. I believe you must repent. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you'll speak in other tongues when you do. I believe that must happen for us to be saved. Because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know most of you know I believe that. But I want to make sure you know I believe that. You got questions about that? I'm glad to answer them. But I encourage you to search the scriptures. Amen. God bless you. I think we should pray again before we go. One more time. Would you ask the Lord to seal this in our hearts? And maybe... Maybe we need a quickening of our mind and our spirit tonight by the word of God. That I lay hold on these truths with a firm conviction. I don't take them as a rod to beat people, God forbid. But Lord, let us lay hold on them that we can speak this truth in love. That we can show transgressors your way. God, it doesn't make us better than anybody else, above anybody else. God forbid we are but sinners saved by your grace. But we have a responsibility to your word as you've revealed it to us. And so I pray, let us love this truth 
and then let us speak it in love. Let us love this truth and let us show others the way. Let us lead others to repentance in the fear of God, considering our own selves. I pray let us speak this which you've given us, this ministry of reconciliation. You have committed it to us and therefore let us speak it. In the name of Jesus, I pray, give us grace to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In the name of Jesus, thank you for this truth. Thank you for grafting us in. Thank you for reaching to a Gentile. Thank you for reaching to the Gentiles and grafting us into the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, would you just lift your hands to him right now? Talk to him. If you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, he's here. Come on, if you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, he's here right now doesn't take some great fanfare or anything like that. Just in faith, in faith, Lord, I believe your word. I receive it of you tonight. I receive it of you. I open my spirit to you and your spirit, Lord Jesus. Maybe it's been a while since you've been renewed in the Holy Ghost. Come on, he can renew you right here tonight. I'm not talking about some force thing, but as you open your spirit to him, as you open your spirit to him tonight in faith, I pray rivers of living water, rivers of living water.